Hello. Welcome to Science Factual. Prepare yourself for factual download. Sequence commencing. You know, I kind of love the opening sequence music from the 1978 series just a little bit more than the reboot. It has that B-movie sci-fi feel that I love to hate, the stuff of Mystery Science 3000 fodder. If you're unfamiliar with either of those pieces, it likely means that you have some semblance of a life and haven't filled up valuable brain space with the vast catalog that entails this week's episode, Battlestar Galactica. Hi there, I'm your host and fellow nerd, Reese Hendrick. Welcome to Science Factual, the show that delves into the facts behind your favorite science fiction. This week, we put a Cylon eye on one of the most well-reviewed and revered science fiction TV series of all time with our very funny guest, Portland comedian Logan Lockmiller. We met up before the comedy open mic at Pizza Schmizza on 23rd, hosted weekly by Amanda Lynn Deal, and got to talking about the first series, reboot miniseries, and full seasons, as well as the two movies plus Blood and Chrome, but not too much into the Caprica series as it's more of a prequel and isn't as directly related to the overall canon of the reboot as, say, Blood and Chrome. Needless to say that if you know anything about Battlestar Galactica, you likely know everything about Battlestar Galactica. But just in case you happen to maintain healthy relationships with actual other people, here's a... I'm about to get into some pretty nerdy stuff here, so if you value any notion that getting into Battlestar Galactica is anything less than dedicating yourself to a rather expansive sci-fi universe, then you definitely have another thing coming. It's the total annihilation of humankind. So, before we get into the facts behind this expansive show universe, here is an overview of the series leading from the 1978 original series and BSG 1980 through to Blood and Chrome and the reboot series parts, and I'll explain why I'm going to go in this sequence in just a little bit. In a distant star system, the 12 colonies of mankind were reaching the end of a thousand-year war with the Cylons, warrior robots created by a reptilian race which expired long ago, presumably destroyed by their own creations. Humanity was ultimately defeated in a sneak attack on their homeworlds by the Cylons carried out with the help of a human traitor, Baltar. Protected by the last surviving capital warship, a Battlestar from Battle Starship named Galactica, the survivors fled in available ships. The commander of the Galactica, Adama, led this ragtag fugitive fleet of 220 ships in search of a new home. They began a quest to find the long-lost 13th tribe of humanity that had settled on a legendary planet called Earth. However, the Cylons continued to pursue them relentlessly across the galaxy. Which brings us to Galactica 1980, a spin-off series which was the product of a massive writing campaign. Fucking nerds. Set during the year 1980 and a generation after the original series, the Galactica and its fleet of 220 civilian ships have finally discovered Earth, only to find that its people are not as scientifically advanced and that the planet can neither defend itself against the Cylons nor help the Galactica as originally hoped. Therefore, teams of colonial warriors are covertly sent to the planet to work incognito with various members of the scientific community, hoping to advance Earth's technology. 
Commander Adama, on the advice of Dr. Z, a teenage prodigy serving as Adama's counselor, sends Captain Troy, who is the adopted son of Adama's own son Apollo and Lieutenant Dylan, to North America, where they become entangled with TV journalist Jamie Hamilton. After an initial time travel adventure to Nazi Germany in the 1940s to stop Rebel Galactic and Commander Xavier trying to change the future to improve Earth's technological level, the three friends devise ways to help Earth scientists and outwit the Cylons in the present day. Meanwhile, Adama sends a group of children from the Galactica fleet, the Super Scouts, to Earth in order to begin the process of integrating with the population. However, due to differences in gravity and physiology, the children must deal with the fact that they have nearly superhuman powers on Earth. You know, the series doesn't improve from there, so let's just go ahead and move on to the reboot and supporting web series from the early 2000s. By the way, the original BSG and the reboot are not related really in any way insofar as the main story being a continuation from one era to the next. There are a number of callbacks and references made from new to old, but the two eras are related in the same way that let's say medieval and modern day England are related. Each era took place in the same country, but with vastly different people and social settings. I'm just glad that they stopped throwing their shit out the windows. Pretty sure cockneys sound the same though. Alright then, governor, moving on to Blood and Chrome then. Battlestar Galactica Blood and Chrome is a prequel to the reimagined Battlestar Galactica series and is the latest installment in the franchise. A web series that became a pilot for a possible series chronicling the early adventures of a young William Adama, but the series was never picked up. Set in the 10th year of the first Cylon War, the story follows William Adama, a young pilot just graduated from the Academy, assigned to one of the battle stars in the colonial fleet, the Galactica. Sound familiar? The series provides a very basic frame of reference to the events that ensued in the time between the prequel series Caprica and the basis series Battlestar Galactica. However, again, the events are not necessarily completely linked. This is more of an origin story of William Adama than anything else. Alright, so foregoing a recap of the events of the miniseries, I'm going to jump right into a synopsis of the Battlestar Galactica reboot series as a whole. Yes, I just said a whole. Nice. Battlestar Galactica is set in a distant star system where a civilization of humans lives on a group of planets known as the Twelve Colonies of Cobalt. In the past, the colonies have been at war with an android race of their own creation known as the Cylons. With the unwitting help of a human scientist named Gaius Balter, the Cylons launch a sudden sneak attack on the colonies, laying waste to the planets and devastating their populations. Out of a population of several billion, there are about 50,000 human survivors. Most were aboard civilian spaceships that were not near the initial attacks. Of all of the colonial fleet, the Battlestar Galactica appears to be the only military capital ship that survived the attack. Under the leadership of Colonial Fleet Officer Commander William Bill Adama, played by Edward James Olmos, and President Laura Roslin, uh, the Galactica and its crew take up the task of leading the small fugitive fleet of survivors into space in search of a fabled 13th colony known as Earth. Now, that might sound almost identical to the synopsis of the 1978 series, and it is. Uh, the, the basis for both series are the same, just a reimagined version. Uh, with the 2004 reboot. Now, over the course of the show's four seasons, the war between the Colonials and the Cylons takes many twists and turns. Despite the animosity on both sides, the humans and a faction of the Cylons eventually form an uneasy alliance in the wake of the Cylon Civil War. The Cylon leader, a Cylon humanoid number one named John Cavill, precipitated the schism in the Cylon ranks. Cavill deceives the other models by obsessively hiding the identities and origins of the remaining five humanoid Cylon models, the, quote, final five, who, known only to him, are a more ancient type of Cylon created by a previous iteration of human civilization. Other plot lines involve the mysterious destiny of Kara Starbuck Thrace, who is the subject of a prophecy claiming that she is the, quote, harbinger of death, who will lead them all, humanity, to its end as well as the redemption of Gaius Balter through the Cylon's monotheistic religion after he becomes a pariah within the fleet. 
In the final episodes, an inexplicably resurrected Kara Thrace leads the surviving humans and their Cylon allies to a new planet which Adama names Earth. The first group of survivors settle in ancient Africa. The real Earth that the Colonials had searched for during their years in space was revealed in an earlier episode to have been originally inhabited thousands of years before by a previous form of humanoid Cylons. The final five were the last of these Cylons. Ironically, these humanoid Cylons had created their own Centurion robotic slaves who waged a nuclear attack against their masters, devastating the planet and making it uninhabitable. The new Earth is found to be inhabited by early humans who are genetically compatible with the humans from the Galactica and the rest of the fleet, but who possess only the most rudimentary civilization. Their surviving humans and humanoid Cylons settle on the new planet Earth. They discard all technology, destroying the fleet by flying it into the sun, in an attempt to break the human-Cylon cycle of conflict and begin anew with the tribal humans already present on the new Earth. Their surviving Cylon Centurions are given possession of the remaining Cylon base star and proceed to jump away from Earth. In the final scenes, modern-day Earth humans are shown to be descendants of the colonists, their humanoid Cylon allies, and the early humans. Alrighty, so after comparing and contrasting several lists claiming to be the true watch order, I do believe that what I have laid out for you here is the most congruent way to watch the various Battlestar Galactica components insofar as the reboot series and its ancillary parts. We're going to start the watch order off with Blood and Chrome, moving into the miniseries, both parts 1 and 2, followed up by season 1 in its entirety leading into Season 2, Episodes 1 through 17. At that point, you're going to want to stop and look at Razor. Uh, Razor takes place during the first 30 days of Leodama's Pegasus Command, during the period originally covered in the second half of Season 2, after the episode The Captain's Hand, but before the episode Lay Down Your Burdens, and uses flashbacks to show Rear Admiral Kane's orders during and shortly after the Cylon attack, as well as events occurring on the final day of the first Cylon War. That brings us to the second half of Season 2, after which you're going to want to watch The Resistance, all parts of which are combined on YouTube for viewing, and it's only available in the US, and it's more of a side quest than main canon, so it's not super important if you watch that in its entirety. Up next we have Season 3, then Season 4, Episodes 1-11, through 11, at which point you'll want to stop and watch The Face of the Enemy, the plot of which entails the nine days after discovering Earth following Revelations, uh, which is episode 10 of the fourth season, Galactica and the fleet are back in space. Lieutenant Felix Gaeta is on board a Raptor with two Cylon number eights and three other humans en route to the Zephyr when a Dratus contact prompts the fleet to execute an emergency jump. A computer error results in the Raptor jumping to an unknown location beyond the red line. Stranded without a functioning FTL or faster-than-light drive, those on board face the grim realization that they may run out of oxygen before they are rescued. I'd say this one's important to watch as it informs the remainder of the final season. Which brings us back to season 4, uh, you watch episodes 12 through 15 before getting into the plan. This add-on film is a whole meal that basically recaps the events so far in the series, but offers the viewpoint of various players that haven't yet been explored too deeply, for instance, the Cylon perspective, as opposed to their typical framing in the series from the human perspective. From there, you finish out Season 4 with Episodes 16 through 21. Okay, so that was a lot of information, and I'm super proud of you for sitting through it all. And your reward is even more information. Here are some frackin' interesting facts about the foundation of the original series, as well as a look into the reboot series. The original Battlestar Galactica series was written and developed by Greg A. Larson and ran for one 24-episode season from 1978 to 1979. After cancellation, a massive writing campaign spawned Galactica 1980, which aired the same year with a 10-episode arc. Several books have also been penned to continue the original series events. 
The origins of the sci-fi classic Battlestar Galactica connected directly to creator Glenn A. Larson's upbringing. Raised as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, Larson tied the show's characters in fictional colonies to Mormon theology. According to an article in Deseret News, the 12 colonies of BSG were, quote, essentially the lost tribes of Israel whose history began at Kobol, an obvious anagram of Kolob, which in Mormon theology is the star nearest to the throne of God. Even the government of BSG included a president and a quorum, or council, of 12 similar to the system found in the LDS Church. Other parallels included writings and hieroglyphics, use of a tribunal as its court, and the belief in the lost 13th tribe. While keeping the LDS connections in the 2004 reimagining of the show, executive producer Ronald D. Moore also included inspiration he found in the 1953 animated Disney movie classic Peter Pan. Specifically, he was moved by the phrase, quote, All this has happened before and will happen again. Moore incorporated this reference to the cyclical nature of time into the mythology of the Cylons. The 2004 reimagining wasn't the first reboot attempt. Talk of returning to the Battlestar Galactica universe stretched all the way back to the 1980s when franchise creator Glenn A. Larson issued repeated promises that a continuation would eventually arrive. By the late 1990s, that promise began to look a little more likely, though perhaps not in the way that Larson had originally intended. In 1998, original BSG series star Richard Hash took it upon himself to try to revive the series with a project that he called The Second Coming, maxing out credit cards and spending more than $50,000 of his own money to fund a proof-of-concept trailer that he hoped would lead to a new life for Battlestar Galactica. Hatch completed work on the project in 1999, but the project never got beyond screening for fans at conventions. Meanwhile, Larson had begun developing his own new story centered around the Battlestar Pegasus, which was set to get its own film from producer Todd Moyer. When the 1999 adaptation of the video game Wing Commander, which Moyer produced, flopped at the box office, his Battlestar Galactica project also evaporated. Now, Greg A. Larson made no secret about his disdain for the reboot series for a number of reasons, but objections of his creator aside, the BSG reboot moved ahead with production of the initial miniseries, while Moore and Ike always intended to continue the story in an ongoing capacity if the miniseries did well, which it did. Reboot producer Ronald D. Moore is likely more famous for his involvement with various Star Trek franchises than his work with BSG, but he along with fellow producer David Icke, no, not reptilian aliens David Icke, but a nerd of a different caliber nonetheless. The next obstacle was showing footage from the reboot to fans and to test audiences, neither of which turned out to be very receptive. Before the miniseries was ready to air, the Sci-Fi Channel opted to test it before a focus group in Houston. The results were... not good. Moore recalled, I mean, they really fucking hated it. The cover sheet said something like, this is one of the worst testings we've ever had. We've seen no reason why you should want to pick this show up as a series, and analytics were even worse. They sort of liked Ed almost as a Dama, but he was the only one, and even that was kind of a mediocre number. Sci-fi went into a full-blown panic, but, I mean, the show was done. Die-hard Battlestar Galactica fans also weren't happy, as Moore found out firsthand when he attended the 2003 Galacticon, to select a few clips from the miniseries and take questions. He further recalls, quote, So I brought the house lights down, played the show, played it all the way through, and then the house lights come up and they started like booing and hissing. They really did. Like, I'm not making it up. He's like, holy shit. Basically goes, all right, time for questions, I guess. So he's taking questions from the audience and they were unremittingly hostile. Did not like it. Thought it was an affront, thought it was an insult to the original show, and terrible. And they hated Starbuck. Ironically, it was the original star Richard Hatch, who was against the reboot arriving as he tried to forge his own continuation of the series, who stepped in to defend Moore at the convention, standing up in front of the crowd and demanding that they show their guests some respect. Moore was so impressed by Hatch's class that he discussed bringing him on for a role on the television series if it got picked up backstage that very same day. One of the great mysteries still tied to the show is what exactly happened to Kara Starbuck Thrace, who seemed to die in the show's third season only to mysteriously reappear in the season 3 finale after a two-month absence. She's then the character who plugs in the coordinates for the blind jump that leads the fleet to our Earth, only to then vanish into thin air in the series finale. A number of fan theories for what happened to Starbuck, what she really was after returning to the series, and what her role in the story is, have since sprung up. But if you're looking for a definite answer, it turns out not even the show's writers have them, in part because they weren't looking for them. Writer-producer David Weddle recalls that, I can tell you that in the writing room, there were multiple theories as to who Kara Thrace really was. 
How did she come back? Why did she disappear in the end? We never really answered those concretely, nor do I think we ever should. The opinions of the writers in the room are just like the opinions of the viewers. It's open to interpretation, and there are multiple ways to interpret it. It's a fantastic journey for the character, and I'm so proud of it. That's really nice. But we want to fucking know what happened, my guy. Come on. So, is there going to be more Battlestar Galactica? It looks like it. An article from Collider.com reads, quote, It's been over 10 years since the sci-fi reboot concluded its four-season run, and to this day the franchise remains a fixture in the minds of sci-fi and TV drama fans alike. The show was briefly followed up by a prequel web series, Blood and Chrome, which was significantly less successful and wound up airing as a television movie, but since there's been some movement around potential future ideas, a new series was announced as being in development for the NBC Universal streaming service Peacock back in 2019, with Sam Esmail set to produce, but as of last year, the pilot was still in the works. However, a film adaptation of the original 1978 series has been in the works almost since the sci-fi show ended, and as of 2020, it was confirmed that Simon Kinberg had been tapped to write and produce the movie alongside Dylan Clark from Rise of the Planet of the Apes. So definitely keep your Cylon eye peeled for future Battlestar Galactica content. Coming up next, we have an awesome interview with Portland comedian Logan Lockmiller. We met up before the weekly comedy open mic at Pizza Schmitza on Northwest 23rd in Portland for some good eats and to nerd out about BSG. So, enjoy! It never sounds like the way it resonates in your head. You're like, that's what I sound like? Yeah, no, I... people outside of my body? I listen to myself constantly for editing purposes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I've never... I I mean, I've always berated myself uh, as a, you know, just like, come on, Reese, let's go. Let's get it together, bro. All right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I'll hear, like, the wrong inflection after recording for 45 minutes to an hour and just be like... Oh, this is all trash. Like, this is the worst thing I've ever put out in my entire the, life. The inflection is what gets I, I want to kill myself because of yeah. the inflection. Yeah. For me, it's all the likes. I said, everybody has a little thing that they say constantly, especially if they get a little bit nervous. Sure. And I, I've only edited one podcast, and that, but I, I was like, Jesus Christ, I say like every five seconds. And, and my friend, it was uh. It's like ums, ums, ums. Like every, everyone I, has a little different thing. I'm a looper if I say you know. Then it's, you know, for the next hour, two hours. Mm. If it's insofar as, that's a that's a good one, too. Inso, right. Insofar as that it's not a good one. What, what's his name from uh, uh, Bobby Lee has uh, Is Is That? Is Is, oh, lo- I love Bobby Lee. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Favorite fat comedian, actually, I would oh, say. Oh, he's great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've never actually, I've seen only seen a little bit of his stand-up online. He's hilarious as a human being and a podcaster. But I, I, I saw him on Good For You. Uh, Whitney Cummings podcast. Okay. Nice. He was hysterical. Oh yeah, I've and seen him on the podcast. Uh, Mad TV Mad days. TV. What is it? The Daewoo performance car. It was always some tra- yeah. some racist rendition. Of, <laughs> yes, well, but he, he can. But he can pull it off. Right. Yeah, 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 he's yeah. absolutely. He's yeah. allowed. He gets a pass. Yeah. Certified yeah. pass. Yeah. Well, folks, uh, the voice other than mine that you're listening to right now, this is uh, that's Logan Lockmiller. Hey. Hey. We're we're here. We're at the uh, we're at the Pizza Schmitza Mike Sunday Easter Sunday, doing the Lord's work out here, uh, off of twenty first. I'm doing Satan's work. Do it. Hail Satan! <laughs> praise, praise Beelzebub in all things. First and foremost. Um, however, we are we are here to we are here to talk about Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Thank you for suggesting it. Actually, before I saw the two thousand and four. And this is why I asked you, I was like, are we going to cover the 1978 and, and <laughs> Battlestar 1980? My first rung of, like, B-movie sci-fi was, and I say that about Battlestar, because it runs as a B-movie. Oh, I hear you. Yes, I'm I'm completely on board. <laughs> and, and, what's, and I would say uh, Battlestar 1980 was even worse. Um, oh, yeah. I, I mean, the, the way to shoehorn in, like, every other show, a trip to Nazi Germany... <laughs> Um, I mean, I, I couldn't think of a, of a worse plotline. A plotline. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't, I actually, I actually haven't even, I've saw like three or four episodes in and I couldn't trudge through the rest. Although now having seen Battle, the being into Battlestar, I did, uh, I kind of want to see it, take it, a, give it a chance now because, uh, 
the guy that played uh, Tom Zurich in the new one is yeah. Apollo in yes. the old one. I was like, what? Yeah. So that, that, that's one of the few crossovers. Otherwise, it's just a reimagining. I mean, a, a lot of people are like, oh, I don't get how about that BSG 2004 plays off of like the original. Yeah. And it's not it's not a continuation. It is right. it's a reimagining. So you know, a much, a much needed, a much needed reimagining. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. yeah. At the beginning of the episode, I mashed up the old uh, intro with the new one. Mm-hmm. I kind of like the old one better though. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a little bit more. It's a little campier. All right. I'll, I, I guess I'll find out. I guess you'll. Yeah. Well. Yeah. You'll find out along with everybody else. Um, <laughs> what is your Instagram, Logan? It is Logan Lock. Just my name. It is Logan Lockmiller. My last name is L-O-U-G-H-M-I-L-L-E-R. There you go. That was definitely one that needed to be spelled out. It is definitely. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay, so at Logan Lockmiller, how did you get started in stand-up comedy? Uh, I, I was an actor for 10 years, and I had a nervous breakdown. That's the... What, what type of acting? That's the, short st- that's the short version. Stage acting? Commercial uh, acting? Mostly film. I did, film some, I did some stages. I started in theater, but uh, mm. I got more... Trodden the boards. Films. Yeah. Yeah. Traipsing, any 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 major productions that we would know of? Uh, I was uh, a vulture monster on Grimm. Okay. Uh, not, I mean, if you blink, you'd miss me. But I uh, I was I was uh, like the television show. Yeah, yeah. That was filmed here in Portland. Uh huh. Oh, neat. Yeah, my uh, my wife loves uh, what's his face. The main guy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's a handsome dude. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Sure. I had a few little blips on Leverage that was also one of the ones here in town. Today. Okay. Yeah. Nice. But what what about uh, theater? What, any productions that you've? Uh, I was in one flew of the cuckoo's nest at Portland Center Stage. Oh, that solid. Was, uh, okay. Probably the biggest thing. I, I was a very small role in that as well. But I was, these I had very small roles and very big things and very big roles and very small things. Mm. <laughs> that that yeah. is the the career of a of a burgeoning actor. Of a low rung actor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Right on. Actually, uh, I did do uh, for a showcase when I lived in Los Angeles. I did a monologue from uh, Battlestar. Mm. Um, it was from the, what the the miniseries or no? This is from the show. Oh, um, oh, from the show. It was from Cavill in like mm. uh, in the last season. He has this uh, God, it's a fucking great monologue. But it's um, it's basically like telling all the other Cylons, "Don't be a poser." Like we're like we're all we are amazing, amazing robots, and we're spend waste their entire life energy trying to be like more human. I mean, it's this great, uh, it's fucking epic. And well, cause, so you say robots, and I, I hate to cut you off, but... <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Do you consider the Cylons robots or androids? Hmm. And, and more specifically, the the five. The, so, so like, the original five Cylons, because you know how right, it goes, right, like, right, in right. cycles where, like, there was a human race that created Cylons. Oh, I thought you were talking about the number and, five Cylons. Oh, oh <laughs> sorry, no. Sorry, no, like, the original five Cylons, if yeah, you will, yeah, yeah. like, that are left over from the first Cylon War, if I'm not mistaken. Basically, I would call them more androids than, say, a Centurion. Oh, for sure. Yeah, like there there are levels to Cylons that you know definitely are, are the, the ambiguity of whether or not you would categorize them as sentient or not. And I think they even consider themselves different races because the, oh, the, yeah, the Centurions sure. yeah. were a separate group yeah. at one time, and then the Cylons made peace with them. Right, and they kind of joined forces, which is. Well, and the, the Cylons that joined forces with the humans, uh, that well, there were some, and then the Centurions that, at the end of the series, just kind of fuck off with their Battlestar. Right, yeah. Uh, or battle, or uh, Base Star, rather. Which was an ominous um, send-off to repeat all the bullshit that had happened the whole story. Like, well, no, it's it, still open. And, that, and that, was, that was the major motivator, uh, too, I guess, behind the ending of the series, insofar as shooting off, you know, all of their ships into the sun yeah to be, to be like you know we want to just going lo-fi going lo-fi which i can i can dig it i kind of like how it it meshed into now us as modern day humans are the product of desire to amalgamate cylon with humans with early humans and they, you know, they, they snuck that in right they, right they sure the did yeah it was it seemed very convenient um, because they because they kept toying with the idea that like this is the beginning of Earth or there's right. connections to Earth the entire time. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, well, quote unquote Earth because what they call Earth is not actually what we know as Earth. It's another planet. 
what we know as Earth, I think, is COBOL, right? Or, or is it, it ends it ends up being or well because we when we find New Earth, it's not called Earth, right? There's so much. There is. There's so much it, to find. Like it's it's hard sometimes to keep track. I mean, I know it pretty well, and it's it's still yeah. hard to learn. Yeah. But I, I'm pretty sure where they ended up at the end was supposed to be where we are, Earth, our Earth. But yeah. Like a and Cobal was a different thing. I could be wrong with that. I think you might be right. Yeah. You know, um, I, I think that it's uh, it's the plan that delves more into the Cylon past on the real Earth uh, because it has more of a, a Cylon perspective throughout that web series slash. Mm-hmm. And I'm, again, I'm hesitant to call it a movie, but that is kind of how I. Yeah. Yeah, th- that's yeah. that's how I frame it in in the show. So. You know, it's um, it is what it is. There, there are so many other, there are so many interpretations to Battlestar Galactica and how to watch it too. Yes, yeah, you know, just the yeah. watch order alone is uh, is a lot is a big point of contention with uh, nerds who have larger nerd knowledge than the two of us combined. I, I would I, I'm pro sequential. That's the, yeah. I uh, I had a, I had a very friendly nerd that when I was I got I watched like three episodes of the series and I liked it a lot. So I, my friend that was a huge nerd in it was like, stop now watching this order and I did so, right yeah. yeah well and and it is beneficial because some of the supporting content definitely informs different parts sure. of the seasons yeah um and I, I get into that a little bit with the watch order mm-hmm. which I had to go down so many rabbit holes just to find consensus <laughs> yeah um so what was your first exposure to sci-fi um I was well I don't know if you count He-Man and, and uh, Thundercats but that was probably my very early <laughs> I feel, I feel like that's more fantasy. Okay. Yeah. You know, like, I, I always equate monsters with fantasy, unless it's Frankenstein, of course, but, like... Well, my, I'm thinking my, my very first, like, uh, my sisters were... Uh, my whole family was big into Star Trek, which I was the odd man out. I was I liked it, but I was not as, as like, deep into it as... Uh, well, I guess it's called He-Man family. and Masters of the Universe. That's true. Right? It, so I, I suppose it is... It has merits. related it, is it space related? Well, if they're masters of the universe, yeah. that's true. It's been a bit since I've seen it. That's true. <laughs> well, you know what? That's fine. Um, <laughs> but uh, as, as far as for when I was making my own kind of more choices, I uh, I got really big into like the punk rock apocalypse kind of series, like a uh, Mad Max or mm. Tank Girl. Sure, Tank Girl's great. And uh, so, some people Love might argue about, but Waterworld was a big fan. <laughs> Waterworld, dude. A lot of people will shit true. on Kevin Costner. I think it's a great movie. Yeah, I um, did too. Doesn't it? Who who was the who played the the bad guy in Waterworld? It wasn't uh, uh, Dennis Hopper. It was Dennis Hopper. Okay. Yeah, that's what I thought. But Keep I wasn't... an eye out for him. Right. Yeah. Yep. I, also, I love the Waterworld ride, if you will, or at least the show that they do at Universal Studios. I've, I've seen it. So good. I've seen it. <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But you I know think what? they thought it was going to be a much bigger movie than it was. Now. Yes. And now, still to this day, they're still showing it, and people are like, what movie? Right. They're like, water what? <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like my, my probably my biggest was uh, Fifth Element, though. That's probably my yeah. favorite of all time. I've burned that DVD into the floor. Fifth Element's a yeah. great film. Uh, we, we covered it. Um, oh, I'm sure. On this, <laughs> it, it, yeah. The fourth episode, which I, I know that that was a opportunity lost to cover it yeah, yeah, on the yeah. fifth episode but yeah. it turns out that the fifth element is love uh-huh. so yes for getting into the deep the the, the deep archives the yeah. one of my favorites is uh well not, it's not that deep but uh the the bbc series for uh hitchhiker's guide oh sure wow yeah, yeah, I yeah that's loved that i Watch. love the vogons in that yeah <laughs> compared to the vogons in like the or the 2000s yeah remake. Garbage special effects, but like oh, the yeah. acting and the and the plot and the way the, the extra execution. special effects. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it, it was it's it's a and it's desperately British. Yes, yes, it, it is. is so British. So, uh, what was your first exposure to Battlestar Galactica? Uh, I was I didn't hit it until like it was uh, after 2010. So the mm-hmm. the series was done mm. by the time I came across it. Yeah, but yeah, I. Honestly, I don't remember. Who. I first, I first saw it streaming. I, f- I forget where, but I just saw it, and I was like, you know what? Like this and Stargate are things that I've been meaning to watch. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I, I saw it for the first time through and through, just kind of backgroundish a bit. 
and but I didn't see the miniseries to start with, and I feel like rewatching it with the miniseries up front, leading into the seasons, and yeah. then also like the you know, supporting stuff like uh, Razor and the Plan, and there's another one that I'm totally blanking on right now, but well, we talked about Blood and Chrome. Chrome before. We talked about Blood, yeah, Blood and Chrome. But I, I like that because it brings, like, an origin story for Adama. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. that one I haven't seen since the 2010s. That was sure. The, well, the, and that, that's understandable. The main series I've seen very recently. So what do you do? You know what order that you did watch it in? Like, Originally, I watched yeah. it in uh, the sequential. My yeah, friend just Deacon the way it was released. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or no, no, uh, sequential is in, oh, like, so, oh, events. Got, oh, gotcha. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I was... I didn't really get it. I, I kind of wrote it off while while it was airing. As uh, I know a lot of people are really into. I don't want to break it like break anybody's heart, but I was not into like sliders. I wasn't into like Firefly. I wasn't, I wasn't into a lot of the like the low budget space shows in that era, and so I kind of like oh, it's another one of those. Sure. And uh, but my friend Diku kept pushing it, and she's like, oh, you gotta watch it, you gotta watch it. And then so I I watched a couple, and I was hooked. I, I personally, you know, for for not having any aliens in it, you know, mm-hmm. like it's it's just humans and robots. It's true. It's all man made, right. On some level, right? It, yeah. You know, I, I it, it kind of stands alone in that respect. Um, you know, we I was I was talking about this uh, last episode, and there there are very few sci fi spacefaring shows that don't involve complex alien relations. It's true, yeah. So I, I like it in that respect. It's almost like, well, it's not almost like, it's a look into what humankind would be like if we were just forced to be nomadic mm, and not space. have the and not have the resources of the technology that we developed on a planetary scale. Yeah. You know, because when you're out in space, anything goes. Like, you know, time and time again through any show, you can see that there are complications and shit that comes up where... You know, existential threats are almost constant, and they can always come up with new. Well, I guess they, and they can always come up with new ones. Yeah, but and they uh, do. <laughs> but they did somewhat keep a cap on it into their yeah. the, the, what the world they had set up. And right. I feel like they they broke a lot of uh, archetypes in that in uh, all around. Mm. They uh, had a very heavy female presence in this show, which is not quite as common. Yeah, absolutely. So, so let me ask you this: Who is your favorite character? I know it's it's this is like saying like my favorite character in Batman is Batman, but it's Kara uh, Thrace, uh, yeah, Starbuck. Starbuck, yeah. She's it's fucking amazing. She's she's the only character that's like really playful and goofy, sure. And, but also she's also a fucking badass and super badass and fucking gorgeous. Yes, just, gorgeous. Uh, the, the one of the opening scenes in the miniseries, she fucking hits. A commanding officer in the face. There you go. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And what's interesting is that the original, or the writer of the original series, was against Starbuck being a woman. Which, if that's, that's not a holdover from 1978, then I don't yep. know what is. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. But I'm, I'm, I'm personally glad that Starbuck's a badass B. Yeah. Um, great character. Good emotional development too. Yeah, you know, because it, it, at first, very surface. You know, like keeping you at arm's length, kind of thing. She's that rogue pilot. There's just like right. this one note. Yeah. But yeah. No. No, she, but she's she gets deep, especially later on when they, when she thinks she has a baby, mm. doesn't. Right. Or uh, that's that's my other favorite character was the one that I was like I I didn't like the choice they made with him with this, but like um uh, was he number number six? Number yeah. six. He was the the blonde Cylon. Yes. Yeah. But like he held her captive for like when they were on that uh temporary planet but well, that, that weird home relationship th- kind of yeah thing was. other than that i really li- I love his character though he's he's much more like philosophical cerebral than the other cylons he's very emotionally driven he's way too serious but other than that i i relate to him a lot like oh he's a character is who i would relate to myself well, and the religious angle throughout the series as well, I would say later on, especially with Gaius Balter. Ugh, fucking Gaius Balter. <laughs> Self-serving asshole. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, no, I, I think it's interesting, like, because the, the Cylons develop a monotheistic... What if I said Gaius Balter? Would you, <laughs> who do you most identify with? <laughs> like, like, that's, that's that tracks. Right. Okay, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For everything I've experienced. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, no, I, I just, uh, I, I think that it's interesting that Cylons develop a monotheistic religion around Gaius, and then the, I, I, I think it's commentary on that. It's something that is ingrained in our subconscious, the desire to want something larger than ourselves, and that that is a holdover in Cylon programming mm. that has repeated itself over and over and over again. Because the whole nature of Battlestar Galactica is pretty cyclical. Yeah. Yeah, they, things keep coming back around. Right. Whether it's, you know, Cylon besetting human or vice versa or you know, whatever whatever it is that happens to be the framing. Because there are multiple wars. There are civil wars. You know, like, the, the, having to track the whole Battlestar Galactica timeline is not an easy task. No, it's not. Man. Because I, I said it earlier in the episode, it's like, if you want to know anything about Battlestar Galactica, you have to know everything about Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. I, I, I did, well, they also do have cyclical things with where they... And I kind of like this, actually. They, they trick you a little bit. Where they will uh, kind of guide you into having a certain perspective with the storytelling. Mm. And then they'll flip it on you. It would be like... Uh, uh, like the whole courtroom scene with Gaius, where they're like, "Yeah, he's he's a piece of shit, and, he, and he's totally self-serving." But should we kill him? Mm. And you're and you're and you're, I don't know. They they do a lot of things to where you kind of, they lead you down a certain path, and you're like, "Should you have felt the way we just made you feel?" Sure. And you're like, "Yeah." Wait a second. <laughs> well, and, and that's a, that's an excellent point. I I think that a lot of good science fiction writing does that it leads with a certain you know frame of mind or a certain perspective and then adding in a new perspective totally switches up the game that's done again not to you know speak speak the praises of the plan but that's that's what i like the most about it is that unique mm. perspective and they definitely hit some heavy topics too with it too they're not like it's not light-hearted like the next generation, right? Like, like Star Trek TNG. No, it's, a, a, a Cylon gets raped. <laughs> yeah, there's, uh, there's a lot of. They also, this they spend this whole time like trying to figure out how to identify Cylons. Their their spines glow when they have sex. <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah, just solve the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, just start a massive orgy and pick out yep. the, the ones that are this glowing. Guy, this guy. Yeah, when you have a series that that delves into serious topics and that makes you look at two sides of the coin. Um, it's really engaging. I love good science fiction writing, and I see a lot of that in Battlestar. However, I find Edward James almost very underwhelming as a captain. He has his moments. Yeah. Definitely has his moments, but I, I just, I mean, I'm not... It's, it's, I, I get why, uh, you're not, uh, not the only person that has said that, and I, I get it. I don't know who I would have cast in his stead. Mm-hmm. Because I can't think of anyone else but him as Adama. Yeah. And I, I don't even necessarily feel like it's him, per se, because I, I feel like it's kind of the way the role is painted role, as well. It, yeah, ab yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. it's a very, like, they're kind of playing as close to real Earth military as they can. As, sure. With, within the space context. So he's, like, very formal, very, like, not as colorful as, like, other space captains might have been. They, also, I think he's a very subtle actor. There's also not a lot of room like, for flair in the story. No. It's, it's a survival story. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, that, comp when compared to something like Star Trek The Next Generation, where it's like this post-scarcity society where they're just all fucking about in the galaxy and checking mm -hmm. stuff out. There's, well, a, there's a priority. There's a, like, a we gotta be here before the space falls, the spaceship falls apart. Or right. Before, like, we die, or before the Cylons get us. So there's always a... We're the only military ship out of over 200. And it's the oldest one. <laughs> and it's the oldest, <laughs> yeah, like, it should have been decommissioned. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, so I, I mean, I, you know, look, I, I hand it to EJO. EJO. <laughs> yeah, so, his yeah. son's in the movie, did you know that? His, his, yeah, his... Uh, uh, hot dog. His, hot his, dog, his, yep. His son, yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, no. Thankfully, he didn't inherit the face. I yeah, well, it's ac horrible acne yeah, scarring. Acne scarring I feel, yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say I feel like he has uh, he he he's he's not always great in the wide shots because he's he's very but like if for the close up he fucking kills it like he's got like some he's got a Ray Liotta vibe. Yeah, he's got some shit going on behind the eyes. There's yeah, like uh, he has great disappointed dad energy. Just like oh that. yeah, oh for sure <laughs> yes yeah he is the most disappointed dad in space besides Worf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they, they, I feel like they they do even like 
kind of even go directly at that sometimes because they, like, he's lovingly referred to as the old man. Yeah. Like, he is Apollo's dad, and he refers to um, well, Starbuck as his daughter. One of the oldest members in the entire fleet. I mean, like, yeah. he's an elder member of the human race at that point. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. He's, he's one of the oldest humans. There's no old folks' homes ship no. in the, in the nope. fleet. No, there's no hospice ship. Not a terrible amount of death for their situation, I feel like. Not a whole lot visible. They did lose some big numbers when, like, a spaceship. Well, they lost a whole yeah. ship at once, but yes. you don't see yeah. a lot of that. No, you don't see death. the death. You just you just think about it as in total numbers. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. it's roughly 50,000 right. that, that convoy together after the attack on the first 12 colonies. Yeah. And then the interpolitical situations as well. I mean, because you're taking people from all different walks of life and now forcing them. They're basically making a space flotilla New York City. Yeah. That's, that, and they're just yeah. trying to find somewhere. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely an interesting device. It is, yeah. The, the convoy. Yeah, the yeah. convoy. I thought about mm-hmm. it like that. Yeah. Convoy! convoy. All right. <laughs> I love um, the uh, spaceships. I was... I was trying to think of a clever way to bring it in, but it, I, I love how, with the Cylons how they uh, everything is alive. Like like yeah. their their spaceships don't have like there's no there's not a, a, like a humanoid Cylon inside the spaceship flying it. The, the, like the spaceships have their own brain, right? And they're like blood and guts on the inside of a thing. Which which Starbuck like weekends at Bernie's ones ones in the, <laughs> that one episode, which is great. She like weekends at Bernie's just gonna one. Gonna p- pull this yeah. little brain cord, right? And all. Fly it back home. Yeah. It is interesting to see, like, you know, because they have faster-than-light technology. Yeah. Which, you know, and I'm, I'm curious as to how expansive the galaxy really is. You know, like, it, what amount of control that, you know, the colonies expanded over, or at least what percentage through they expanded into the galaxy. Hmm. Because if we think of something like Star Wars... The There's Repo- colonizations everywhere. Well, the Senate is, like, 10,000 worlds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's way bigger than Star... That's monument- exponentially bigger than Star Trek. Right. And then, obviously, bigger, especially since we have... And, and that's my biggest thing, is, like, okay, th- this plays on the question of, okay, if there are so many alien species out there, intelligent species out there, where are they? Yeah. And, and this is a show where we are relatively... I mean, I would say... Alienless. Te- fairly technologically advanced, yet yeah. still alienless. Yeah. Yeah. It's a... Uh, you know, so I... It, which leaves more room for the human factor. Yeah. There, there's more of interconnectivity that gets played on, then doubled down into human-Cylon relations. Yeah. Because there are those who are sympathetic on both sides or empathetic, you know, toward the other. And I, I think that the ultimate uh, understanding that was reached by the end of the series is like, yeah, we're in a catch-22 here. So let's just throw out the whole scenario and start mm-hmm. fresh. Yeah. Not that we're doing great now. <laughs> Presumably that yeah, we yeah, are yeah. the product of that <laughs> decision. And I and I think that's part of why I connected with it so much is that it's very, like it's very relationship oriented the whole sure plot story line in they Oh fuck, we didn't talk about like I feel like there's a huge like racism, xenophobia connection to to like the Cylons were their slaves, and then the, and the Centurions were their slaves, and then right. they, like, well, it's kind are of like living together after that, like, was resolved, and they're like, I feel they like call them toasters, which is like robot racial slurs. Is, <laughs> yes, I like oh, that. absolutely, yeah. yeah, that is a racial epithet for sure. Yeah, yeah calling a robot a toaster, but I, I would say, you know, look, it's like going through high school. If, do you play? Do you play sports in high school? No, I did not. I played no. sports in high school, yeah. and much like like what I can assume the military is like. You're giving the lowest rung shit, and then you're a sophomore, so then you give freshman shit. I feel like, okay, now we're in charge. Now we're going to tell people... We're the next beings to... Yeah, like, yeah. We're, we're the top shit now. Yeah. And that cycle is just, you know, detrimented all the way back. Because think about all the technological advancements that yeah. were just thrown away out of a desire to not want to fucking endlessly kill each other. They threw away resurrection a couple of times. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, and then dude. they're like, you know yeah. what? That whole thing where we can bring each other back to life. Right. We should bring that back. That was cool. We should bring <laughs> that back to life. <laughs> Why did they ever get rid of that? Like, yeah. Yeah. resurrect resurrection. Yeah. Well, we we, did, we never mentioned Xena Warrior Princess. That her her presence. 
was was unexpected when like because uh, I didn't know she was in it till like that was uh, oh god okay I, Lucy Lawless I, Lucy Lawless in yeah but I at first I, I forgot that Lucy was in it I thought you meant like a crossover episode oh. at first I was like <laughs> yeah when yeah. did that happen yeah um because I you know because she was a spinoff of Hercules right uh yeah I believe so God those were the, the same days. universe yeah. They those. had the same, like, fight sound moves. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Very early 90s. Gotta love it. So, Logan, where can we hear you perform next? Uh, I'm not sure when this is coming out, but uh, I, I have... <laughs> if, if it's not coming out in the next two weeks, I don't know. It's, have, it's, co- it's coming out this upcoming Tuesday. Oh, perfect. Yeah. yeah. So, I have, uh, I have uh, two upcoming dates. I put them on... I have a, I'm on a thing here. Logan, yeah. Logan came very prepared. Oh, thank you. I did. Uh, I have uh, Saturday the 23rd at Tap That Showcase at Growler's Tap Room. Tap That's awesome. Yeah. And uh, Friday the 29th at Late Night Trip at Cruise Room. That's the... Oh, solid. The Mushroom Show. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I will not be doing Mushrooms. Oh, but it's funny. okay. Well, the hosts are, and it's kind of a mystery left up to who, who, I'll who, be, who is and who isn't. I'll be doing Mushrooms, but in a different state. So I'll, I'll be there in spirit, literally. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, you'll, you'll be astroplating. Yeah, I'll be astro yeah, Absolutely. Thanks. Well, hey, Logan, thanks for, for stopping by and talking Battlestar Galactica with me. I appreciate it. Yeah, happy to. Thanks um, for having me on. Yeah, let's go hit the schmitza mic. Let's do it. Cool. Love me some Logan Lochmiller, and I'm sure you did too. He's super funny, so make sure you stick around till the end of the episode for his most recent set at Underbar over in Vancouver. (sighs) Now, you know when you hear that sound, it's about high time for your water cooler fact. I had to really sift through a lot of Reddit threads, nerd opinions, and otherwise lengthy articles for this one, so I hope you enjoy it and get as much out of this critical BSG knowledge as I have. You know, it's no secret that nerds are some of the pettiest people on the planet. Trust me, I know. But this story has to place high up on the list for pettiest of all time. When the idea of a new Battlestar Galactica began emerging, first as a news item and then as a developing series, fans of the original series rebelled against the idea of a reboot. And they weren't alone. Glenn A. Larson, who'd been trying to revive his franchise for years, was also unhappy about the reboot and the idea of making Starbuck into a woman in particular. Quote, That show was my father's legacy. Ron didn't make an arbitrary decision to change Starbuck into a female, but that was an iconic character for my father, Larson's son David later recalled. Quote, to just say we're going to gender swap, we're going to just do this, we're going to move this around and we're going to change some of the mythology was painful for him. I imagine any author, any writer would have the same instincts. You want to protect your story, end quote. I find that thinking a bit antiquated and I'm glad Starbuck is a badass woman of sci-fi. I'd definitely play cards and smoke cigars with her any day. At any rate, there was no love lost between Larson and Moore, particularly when the former pushed for credit on the reboot script, which went all the way to the Writers Guild of America Arbitration Department. Moore conceded to giving Larson a story credit as the franchise's original creator, but Larson wanted credit on Moore's teleplay, which the WGA ultimately granted him. Things got even more frustrating for Moore when Larson decided to receive credit not under his real name, but under the pseudonym Christopher Eric James. Quote, So it's not written by Ronald D. Moore and Glenn Larson, which at least sort of would acknowledge the roots of it and my contribution versus the creator, Moore said. Quote, It's my name and some other guy's name, which makes it look like I was either rewritten or someone else contributed in some way. I never quite forgave him for that. End quote. I mean, I can understand why more would be upset, but geez, that is some nerdy, petty shit. As always, I'd like to acknowledge the many sources I used for this episode, which include IMDB, TheGuardian.com, Looper.com, Fandom.com, Wikipedia, of course, and as a humble brag, I even helped edit down an article about the side series The Plan, uh, combined with watching countless hours of Battlestar Galactica, and a very insightful website called BattlestarFanClub.com, which is celebrating its 22nd year, 
this July if you wanted to get into some deep dives available about the show for those of you who dare enter the annals of the interwebs. Well, folks, this has been a hell of a ride, but I think it's time for me to head back to the Earth that we all know and hate, because next week's episode brings us back to the forced reality we all call home with a look at the Stepford Wives. We're taking a dive into both the 1975 original film as well as the 2004 remake with guest Andrea Menchaca. We got to talking about why this film is in fact science fiction before the Underbar open mic in Vancouver, Washington. You can check out that episode next Tuesday, April 19th, from 8 to 9 a.m. only on Shady Pines Radio. You can download the Shady Pines Radio app for free wherever you procure your mind-altering apps. Ooh, and I am super stoked for the upcoming Shady Pines Festival 2022, which is taking place July 15th through the 17th at Red Mud Ranch in Oregon City with a killer lineup that is growing by the week. So make sure to check that out at ShadyPinesFestival.com for all of your festival updates and to get tickets because they will run out soon. The first 50 get a special rate. Hey, before we go, why don't you check out this awesome set from Logan? Enjoy. How is everybody? Yeah. I, uh, I don't. <laughs> I just I, I, really, my intro has the same octaves as, uh, what's it, um, French Schneider from the B-52s. <laughs> How is everybody? Give it up for Dennis. Give it up for Underbar. Give it up for yourselves. <laughs> Woo. Hey, <laughs> uh, and a Hallmark week. I, uh, it's been a year and a half since I quit drinking. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I realized that uh, a lot of whether or not you have a problem is very, it's very perspective-based. Like, I used to say things like, uh, you know, I, I had a good Saturday. I uh, put a bottle of wine in a canteen and walked around Mount Tabor and just took like a two-hour nap. It was, it was a good day. My friend will be like, you got drunk alone and passed out in the woods. That's, you can rebrand it any way you want, but that's what happened. Uh, same friend told me I had an addictive personality. And I was like, oh, thank you. I think you're very charming, too. I did not know what that meant. I, uh, my sisters helped me through a lot of that stuff. I have uh, five older sisters. They're great. They really are. They're my role models. This have been... Uh, as a result, I have kind of like a mix of masculine and feminine qualities. Like, uh, I, I do have a Y chromosome. I think it's just only in charge of body hair. I think that's all it does. And it is, it is cranking it out on that front. But I, uh, I do have a masculine mix though. Like, I used to wear a lot of athletic, like, puma gear. That was my jam. I, uh, I think that's masculine, but I, I liked it because I had kitties on it, that's why. That's why. Yeah. You know, despite all that, I am straight. I swear to God, I am. Despite all those things, I am straight. I like women. And I, well, I, I would take a, I would take a pass for Paul Rudd. I mean, come on. Or, or Ryan Reynolds. I mean, not. Or this dude, he's just like, he's got his piercing eyes, got a strong physique. That guy's got amazing, I just slowly come out of the closet one person at a time. And just, it's like a perverted Mr. Rogers, like, you're each fuckable in your own special way. You're fuckable, you're fuckable. I am straight, I swear, I really, penis, no thank you. And I, even that doesn't sound, that just sounds like I've had too much dick already. Like, oh, I could possibly. I burp, a little jizz comes up. That's straight. I was supposed to talk about women at the end of this, and I used up all my time talking about dudes I want to fuck in the room. I, uh, I do like women, but, uh, but the women that I like, they're a little bit different. Like, I like women that are very tall. Like, uh, when I say tall, I don't mean like, like, oh, I'm 5'11, everyone says that I should be a model someday. No, fuck that shit. 
My last girlfriend was six foot four. I'm talking about custom order clothing. I'm talking about can't fit in a bathtub. Like, like if a woman gets angry when she smells the blood of an Englishman, does a lot of things with my big sock, it does. They, uh, unfortunately, it did not work out with uh, the big stuck. It didn't. Now, uh, all is well. My heart is being mended back to health by a female MMA fighter. Because I think it's exhilarating to stare death in the eyes when you're giving oral sex. <laughs> one little overexcited jiu-jitsu 